Welcome back to the Together Thriving Podcast. Today we are going to be chatting with Jolie Chan and we're going to talk specifically about the topics of self-acceptance and navigating life transitions. So stay tuned. Valley is going to do a little introduction of our guest. Welcome to the Together Thriving Podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Valeria. Together Thriving started as a virtual wellness summit for women and femmes of color by women and femmes of color. We created Together Thriving because after years of being wellness coaches, we realized there was a severe lack of representation in the wellness industry. Black, Indigenous, and people of color wellness experts don't get featured or highlighted as much as we should in this industry. So we figured, why not build our own table? We started this podcast to uplift and empower women and femmes of color with wellness resources, knowledge, and a safe healing community so that we can get out of the fight or flight mode and truly thrive in our day-to-day. Women and femmes of color live at the intersection of two marginalized identities, that of our gender and that of our race and ethnicity. Additionally, the intersection of cultural identity and wellness is rarely, if ever, featured in the spotlight. This is why representation matters. We want this podcast to be a platform where the voices of women and femmes of color in the wellness industry are amplified and where our community can find resources that speaks to their wellness needs. So without further ado, here we go. Yes, Jolie Chan is a life and leadership coach who guides women of color to embrace life seasons and let their values take the lead. With seven years of marketing and higher education experience, she's worked with hundreds of students on confidence building self and self-advocacy. She currently resides in Boston, unseated Pawtucket, Wampanoag, Massachusetts land with her partner and pup Basil, who is super adorable. If you haven't seen Basil on Instagram, you need to. And Jolie likes to spend her free time making matcha fomar, brewing kombucha, tending to her growing collection of plants and rearranging her apartment. Jolie, can you share a little bit um, with us about your intersectional identities and tell us a little bit more about your wellness journey? Yeah, so my intersectional identities are that I am a first-gen Hong Kong Chinese-American. I'm also in a hetero marriage and I am a dog mom. (laughs) And in terms of my wellness journey, um, I think that there are three main parts to this, but we'll see how this goes. My wellness journey started when I got home from studying abroad in London, and I wasn't really happy with how I was feeling about myself. And ended up spending in what ended up being an unhealthy t- amount of time and energy immersing in myself in what I would probably consider to be over-exercise and diet culture. And that was the tipping point in me recognizing that I was really unhappy with who I was. And it's taken years of healing to 
explore that process a bit further. And then when I started my career path in higher ed, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later, one of the biggest benefits of working in academia was having access to all of the resources on campus. And it's not, it wasn't the same as me being a student necessarily, but there was always this encouragement of learning, continued learning, which I always appreciated. And in my own undergraduate experience, I was not in a place where I felt comfortable in my identity. So I honestly steered clear of any cultural centers or clubs, ethnic clubs, or anything like that, which obviously took a lot of healing to understand where that mindset was coming from. Uh, But, you know, a few years removed from that situation and entering this education environment, I decided to reconnect with myself. And I'm so glad that I did because I started seeking out relationships and connections with more faculty and staff of color and attending workshops and talks. And I even enjoy, I even joined an affinity group and that was just such a, that was part of my healing experience. It was monumental in me reclaiming my identity, especially as an Asian American. And this has been an ongoing journey for me. And I even remember texting a few of my close friends, letting them know that I had said or done harmful things in relation to my identity in the past. And that this was the journey that I was on now and loving this part of me that's been there this whole time. And then only more recently have I become more and more open about talking about mental health. And my biggest why for being here and being on this journey is because I lost my mom uh, who died from depression two years ago. And it was two days before my birthday, three months before my wedding day. And I just remember feeling just knots in my stomach from having to process all of that but also feel like I had to meet the expectation of others to keep my head up and stay afloat and focus on the new exciting chapter that I was about to embark on. But my entire being was was broken. And I ended up running to seek out talk therapy because I wasn't sure how to emotionally manage myself and quote-unquote get back to normal, even though there's no such thing as doing that, especially when losing someone um, so close to you. Uh, And also, I don't recommend waiting until something dire or drastic 
happens to start talk therapy. I'm a huge proponent of doing it uh, and seeking it out as a way to maintain and manage your emotional health just as you would your physical health, right? And I ended up quitting my nine to five about nine months later because I could sense that I was neglecting my needs in an attempt to barrel forward. And I remember saying out loud at one point without realizing this was how I felt that I was prioritizing everyone else's needs. And in my role in higher ed, I was prioritizing the role of my students before I could really prioritize time for myself. I I had no time to put myself first um, after you know this traumatic event in my life. So I made this incredibly difficult decision to just pause and heal. And yeah, that's my wellness journey. A lot of it is and continues to be about being present, unlearning this sense of capitalistic urgency, appreciating slowness, being kinder to myself, and this message of self-acceptance, all of which has led to Root and Cultivate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep nodding over here because like there's so much that you said that I resonate with. And I, I just really appreciate that you mentioned that, you know, this is a journey and just like having that as a reminder, like it, it's just, you know, there there's, doesn't need to be an end goal. Like all the experiences that we have will continue to kind of feed along in that journey. And Jolie, like one thing that I've like admired uh, in your journey, like since I've I've gotten to know you, it's just how you've been very open about um, the changes that you've been making to make sure that you're prioritizing your physical and your mental health. And just, I think it's so important to share it with others. Um, even if, you know, it's imperfect, you have no idea where it's going, but it's really like, helps other people think about it too right and it plants that seed um and it's also like giving others permission to do whatever that means to them right and so i just i i really admire that you've been sharing that um openly with um with your audience um and those on your newsletter um because yeah it's it's inspired me too yeah i'm just like kind of picking backing off of what sarah said I distinctly remember one time when you were like feeling sick during a launch and you essentially decided to like stop the launch. And I just thought that was so amazing that you actually talked about it because I feel like a lot of people might do that, but they'll never be like, hey, this is why I decided to rest. I'm prioritizing my self-care and wellness and mental health. And it's like you doing that, I feel like gave me permission to also do that or think, you know, this is something that other people should do as well. So it's just like being that example, um, even when it's hard and like feels very vulnerable. I really commend that about you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, first off, Sarah, when you were like sharing your story imperfectly, I was like, wow, that's how I felt just speaking my whole story because I've never really 
shared my wellness journey in that way before. Um, <laughs> so I give my per- myself permission to share that story imperfectly. And thank you for both holding space for that. And um, yeah, Valeria, like a lot of this entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship journey has been um, just being truly honest because not to uh, take a sharp turn by any means, but uh, I, I would say they're related actually, because a lot of being an entrepreneur is also managing your wellness, which um, Valeria, I think you talk about a lot too in your own business model, right? As like, how are we taking care of ourselves? Because this isn't easy. And no matter what social media is glamorizing, like this has been the hardest journey of my life so far of like doing a lot of like self-reflection and inner work and healing to come to a point where I'm like, yes, I am a business owner and this is what I'm offering. Whereas like, I was just thinking about like, that launch that I just quit because I was so burnt out was actually almost a year ago. And looking back on that experience, I'm, I I still sometimes will look at some of the video promotion that I was doing. And I could tell just by looking at my face that I was stressed and burnt out. And even though I was trying to put on quote unquote, like a happy face, I can just tell um, and I could tell that I was pushing myself through something that I didn't actually want to do. And it took a lot to step back because this is um, this is my way of living, right? This business and um, or how I provide for myself, I should say. And I told myself that like it just wasn't worth it at this time because I was running myself into the ground. And my mindset was, for lack of a better term, like, just unhealthy the way that I was viewing this process. So um, yeah, it was just important for me to take that time to step aside and share that with people. Um, even though I not, not necessarily everyone would have noticed, uh, but I thought that I wanted to be clear about like every step of the way, just so that I wasn't feeding into that over glamorization of what it means to start a business from scratch. No, and I think that's so needed, right? Because as you said, like, it's, it looks all glamorous on Instagram, but behind the scenes, there's all the burnout, all the anxiety, all, all the other stuff, like not setting boundaries and all of that, right? Um, and, and I mean, that happens to even if you're not in business, right? Like, people often tend to kind of put um, not, not everyone, right? But often, like we're and and that's just like a result of capitalism, right? Like we just kind of put work as a priority, yes. right? Um, family is very important too, and then often, like what's lagging behind us, like what we need, like filling up our cup first, like making sure we're prioritizing our physical and mental health and emotional health too, right? And so I think just being able to have more spaces where at least a conversation can happen. I think it just kind of helps to like start, like, as I said before, like just planting that seed of like pausing to reflect on like where you're at now, like what can I change? Um, Mm -hmm. Like starting small, but like just kind of slowly watching like how that helps your, your health overall. And then just like how you, you know, like, 
how you go about your day, how you do things, like your joy, like reconnecting to all those pieces. Um, and along the way, you get to know yourself better. Yeah. And I feel like get, like prioritizing rest and wellness is such a an act of leadership too. Like, yes. Because there's this stereotype of entrepreneurs being like, hustle and grind 24-7, waking up at 5 a.m. and, like, chugging some bulletproof coffee and then, like, staying up till 2 a.m. And it's, like, no one wants to live like that. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. much many people. And maybe I, it's because I like to surround myself with people that are like me. But even I – I'm a Capricorn, so, like, I'm not shy from hard work. Like, <laughs> I, I can appreciate a good hardworking session – but at the end of the day, like sleep is also bay and like naps are also bay and rest is like, <laughs> um, I think when when people are transparent about needing rest, to me, that's just like, wow, like you're setting yourself apart. You're being so transparent and honest and not like kind of putting up this front of, you know, that over glamorized entrepreneurship. And I think that's such an important quality as a leader as well. Yeah, I feel... Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I, I feel like it's just a reminder to, like, realize or, like, just a... It's, it's an opportunity to pause and like ask yourself if you're tired or not. Cause that's something that I never used to even consider or think about. I was just so used to like, go, go, go. And that's just how I operated. Right. And like, I remember the first time I ever stopped to ask myself, like, am I tired? Like, like, and truly ask myself, like, and like being intentional about it. And I was like, I'm exhausted. Like I want to sleep. Like I don't want to add more to my schedule, but like, you just get used to feeling a certain way, right? And you get into this vicious cycle. And until you like pause to like, just be like, do I need rest? The answer is probably yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm a cap rising. So there's that too. But I think that like, we're so programmed to just go, go, go all the time. And I am in the season of learning how to take that pause. Uh, And something that my acupuncturist, Kiara from Alapidus Acupuncture, so if you're in the Boston area, please check her out, um, reminded me when I was talking to her about like the challenges that I was going through, reminded me that, again, speaking of perfectionism, uh, told me like, you know, it's okay if you only take that second to pause like once a week, if that feels the most attainable for you, start there. And it doesn't have to be like a whole ritual routine that's like five hours long, like take the minute, take five minutes. And that gave me such a sense of relief because I had it in my brain that I had to do that perfectly, which sounds so silly when you say it out loud. But I was telling myself, like, I have to develop this, like, incredible morning routine. I must be journaling. I must be zen. There must be candles everywhere. Like, and I had it created in my mind that if it didn't look like that, I couldn't do it. Oh, my God. I'm like, thank you for, like, just, like, seeing this. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's totally how I felt. And for the longest time, I was like, I don't like morning routines anymore. But it's just because it felt like it had to be so structured and perfect. And the minute it's not, it's like, well, that's it. Like, <laughs> it's not useful anymore. Yeah, exactly. And she was telling me, just like, pick one day. Like, what's the, what's the easiest day on your calendar for that week to just take five minutes? And literally, I was like jaw dropped. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I have permission to not do that just once. And of course, we would love to see that evolve and develop into a more steady habit. But honestly, like the time of day that I choose to, I I voice journal um, or meditate or do yoga is not consistent. Sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes I've eaten my breakfast, I've made my matcha, and sometimes it's like midday where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling really ungrounded right now and I need to do something for just five minutes. Mm -hmm. And that is, I hope, something that can continue to develop over time, but just knowing deep down that that's all it takes when our minds are so go, 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 it really starts to bring down that pressure. I love that. I feel like it's, it kind of like helps you tune in more to like what you kind of need on a day to day. Right. And I love that. Um, you, well, you recently pivoted certain things in your business, right. And that now you help women of color through life's you, I think you describe it as life seasons of change. Right. And I love that because it just, it feels like natural cycles. It feels like there's like flow that can happen it doesn't have to be like restricted or overly structured um can you talk a little bit more about like I just want to hear sort of like how you came about just like talking about it as like life season of change yeah um so I think it can mean a couple of different things for me so one of the things similar to what we were just talking about like I am embarrassed to admit this, but I am a creature of habit and I very much like things a certain way and like, like things like in my control. So to give you an example, and now it's going to be on the podcast forever is that (laughs) (laughs) I like to eat overnight oats for breakfast and I've been eating pretty much that same combination of oats for like, oh my gosh, like almost 10 years now. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but like that is just like my comfort and like what I enjoy. And another thing that I was very rigid on for a very long time is uh, incorporating movement into my morning routine. Because I'd always told myself like, uh, and this is not kind language. I will know that, but like, I would tell myself like, you're lazy. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna want to move after like a certain time of day. And I recognized that just because a routine works for you now doesn't mean it's always going to work for you forever. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yes. Like that's okay that it's not going to work for you forever. And there's something about a different season of life. Like I used to be up and granted this partially has to do with the nine to five that I was working at, but I would wake up at five 30 in the morning to go to a fitness class. 
And there is no way in hell that I would do that anymore. (laughs) Like I'm in a season where like rest is really important to me and I'm not going to like haul ass to get to this fitness class just because I like feel like I have to do it. Like that's, if that's not what my body needs right then and there, like I'll find another time to do it. And I have to remind myself that like, I'm just telling myself I can't do it. doesn't mean I actually can't do it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, I feel like it. there's definitely a theme of like giving yourself permission here, like just kind of listening to what you need that day, that week, like just more in the moment rather than trying to, you know, be ahead all the time and or in that go, go, go mode. So I love that. Yeah, exactly. And then like the other part of it that I've been embracing as is just like, especially in New England, right? So I live in New England and it's the seasons are very distinct. And I know that's not necessarily necessarily the case in all regions, but it's very clear to me, like when is spring, summer, fall and winter, especially winter. And I've also been leaning into like, life seasons, like not just the um, like weather seasons. Is that what they're called? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Understanding that like, you know, something that I've enjoyed in the past may not be something that I enjoy anymore. And something that I needed in the past may not be something that I need anymore. And like you said, like this is all like giving ourselves permission to, to evolve Uh, and it's not that one version of you is better than the other. We're just learning more about ourselves every day and finding out what is going to work for us today and then what's going to work for us tomorrow. And that might look different than yesterday. That is so true. It's like, I mean, having the really simple example of like the weather seasons and like food, which is something I always think about is like, I don't really want a fruit bowl in the winter. Like I want soup or like oatmeal. And that's like, I don't know, that's a really oversimplified example. But I think that it's so interesting and like amazing that there's a lot of discussion around like going back to the cyclical way of things, even like, for example, menstruating humans and like aligning your what you do, like, for example, in your business with like your moon cycle. Um because that's how we operated like back in the day is like so many ancient cultures are based off of the moon which is also cyclical it's like the seasons are cyclical it's like so many things are cyclical and I love that you um brought that up as well and speaking of change I know for a lot of us especially folks of color sometimes when we're in survival mode and prioritizing that like safety, change can be difficult or it can feel unsafe. So can you share a little bit about like how you create a sense of safety for yourself as you're navigating these changes and different cycles in life? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Um, kind of to go back on what I said before, like changes always been really hard for me. And it's something that I'm still working through right now is how to accept the change and how to react to it. So (laughs) 
like, yeah, like change used to scare me. Like change was always really uncomfortable and like to the point where again, like if any of these structures that I had explained before that were really working for me, if there was something that was going to throw a wrench in that, I, I, I felt like my body was shutting down and <laughs> changing what I eat for breakfast or like when I work out shouldn't shut my body down. You know what I mean? Like, and I had to really analyze myself, like, why does change feel so scary for you? And, you know, recognizing that not everything can be in my control. And I don't know if this answers your question 100%, but it's that constant reminder that like pretty much most everything is out of my control. There are things that I can do for myself to try and set myself up for quote unquote success. Um, But at the end of the day, there are things that happen with the weather, like we talked about. There are systems of oppression that like get in our way. And I have to remind myself that like I can't always have control over that. So um, what can I do to uh, react in a way that has me feel supported? does that answer your question? I feel like it's, it for me, it feels really circumstantial. No, I think that that's awesome. Like it's, I think it's a good reminder to, to, to know that there are certain things that are out of your control. Cause I think that's something that I, especially with like with social media and things like that, like sometimes you forget that there are things that are out of your control. Cause it's always sort of like all about what you can control. Right. And like, mm-hmm. you're doing, you're not doing enough of this. You're do, you're doing too much of that. You're like, this is what you should change. This is what you should like, just like all these things of like, what has to change and you're the one who has to do it. And like, it feels like you're the one who did something wrong almost. Um, so, you know, just kind of like you sharing that, yeah, there are certain things that are actually out of our control. Like it does kind of make you feel a little bit safer in that way of like, I'm good. Like, actually, like, I'm, I'm enough. Like you mentioned that at the beginning, right? Like, um, and it, that just like that coming, like coming back to that feeling of like, I am enough. I feel like in my journey, it, it, it's making me realize that that is how I was able to create a sense of safety for myself. Um, is that reminder of like, I am enough, like I'm good. I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, like I'm I'm doing my best. I'm doing the best that I can in this situation. And that's enough. I love that. I feel like so many like, I guess, quote unquote experts or like even the wellness industry try to tell us that like the answers are outside of us. But it's really like that, that affirmation of I am enough, like tells us the answer is like within us and like the universe wouldn't throw something at us that we can't handle. Even if it feels that way in the moment, (laughs) Um, which I've definitely been there, but yeah, I love that affirmation. Um, Julie, I like, I'm not sure how to like phrase that question very well, but like, you know, sort of like with you navigating change and, you know, having this journey of like understanding like what you need and all of that, like, do you feel like it's helped you redefine like what productive 
productivity is to you and like like perhaps letting go of certain things or like doing more of other things like uh, yeah let's talk about productivity for a sec (laughs) oh productivity this is what a what a buzzword you know like and part of me this is me spitfiring here but like Part of me wants to reclaim it a little bit because I think that it's often tied into like capitalistic mindset, right? Like we produce, produce, produce as humans for some kind of like output. But then there's another part of me that, and I don't know if like I've fully flushed this out, but like part of me thinks that like there can be things that we do that are productive for ourselves. Like, I think that by, um, I'm trying to think of an example, like taking the time, taking the five minutes today to voice journal and release some of those anxious thoughts in my mind was productive for me because I was able to take that pause and take that second for myself. So sometimes I feel icky about productivity, but sometimes I'm like, I was really productive And a lot of the things that I did were good for me. Like, does that, does that make sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's actually, um, like, I feel like I haven't verbalized this very much yet, but like, I can definitely relate to what you're sharing here. Cause one thing that I'm, I've been like playing around with, with just like my own like wellness journey and like making sure I'm not overdoing and like burning myself out is like when I'm noticing that I'm kind of resisting, like getting a task done, like deep down, I know that I'm good at getting things done. Like when I'm, when I need to get things done, like I know I'll get it done. And so like letting go of that, like, oh, you're lazy, you're not productive enough narrative. But then realizing that usually when I'm resisting something, it's because I just need like either rest or I need to do something fun. Like I need to do something for myself first. And like the more I do it, the more I see that like as soon as I just give myself what I need first, then like no problem. I can get whatever else like I want to get done and like really need to get done done and it's actually I do it like you know I feel like I do it with more joy for one but then it doesn't feel as daunting as it did before um so and you're right and so like that was really productive what I did for myself because it also kind of helped uh with all of the other things that I had to do whether it's work related or like it's more like personal um you know um so no I think that was that was a great answer (laughs) yeah I feel like like Productivity, I mean, language is so evolving too, right? But like, it's it's very much tied to like, what can you produce, like literally? But sometimes like, you know, when I'm catching up with my partner over dinner at night and we're chatting about each other's days, I'm like, I felt really productive today, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I like, you know, did stuff for my business that was very tangible. It's just like, I just feel good. And I felt like I did things that were really important to me today. And that was that. Yeah. I love that reclamation too. Cause I feel like, like coming from the nine to five corporate world, it's like very much so about like, what did you produce to increase the capital? Like that's the foundation of capitalism. Right. And it's like reclaiming that word to like 
make it mean, you know, what did I do for myself? And like, what did I do to remind myself I'm enough or to feel like whole for that day? And like you said, it's different every day, like depending on our needs. So I love that reclamation. Yeah. And I feel like too, like not separating anymore, like what, like instead of having productivity, like only associated with like the work that you do and produce, like understanding that that can be like in all different areas of your life and understanding like the connection between all of these, like how, when you're productive and I'm kind of saying this in like quotation marks, um, but like when you're doing something for yourself, like that's going to flow into all those other areas of your life too. So like just kind of, yeah, coming back to how all those areas of our lives are really closely connected to one another. Yeah. And like, I feel like even building relationships can be productive and like, I'm trying to, even in my brain, as I say it, I'm like trying to separate like literal product from the word. And I know that sounds kind of like nonsensical in a way, but like there are moments where I'm like, I'm, I'm trying, relationships are really important to me. Um, and it's something that I'm continuously working on to build, like, and build and strengthen my existing relationships and also new ones. Um, but I can see like even like relationships being like built, like building them in a productive way. Uh, so I'd love to explore this more, you know, like thanks for giving me the space to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I I'm curious, like if this is like something that I can also like kind of mentally work through too, um, how I feel about this word. This is what happens when coaches get in a room together. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when you when you're saying how can I remove product from the word, I was like, we should just call it tivity. Like, I don't know why. I just that sounds like a fun word to me. <laughs> like, it does. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so Julie, I when I first when we actually when Valia and I first met you you were a storytelling coach before and I know you've gone through some transitions in your business recently um and I want to ask you a little bit more about your storytelling but before I do that uh, do you want to share with us just a little bit about like the recent changes in process that have been going on in your business yeah, absolutely. So I knew we would talk about it at some point, but um, my previous industry was working in higher education. And um, when I left that nine to five, I took some time. So I left for personal uh, grieving um, over the loss of my mother. And in that time of self-reflection, I realized that a lot of things that ticked me off <laughs> at my job um, I, I realized I had been really burned by that experience. And this was, this is not my first industry change, which if we want to cover all the signs right now, we're talking about my Aquarius and I switched from corporate. So I was working, uh, in, at an IT tech company and I switched into higher ed, like full force, full heart. I was so passionate about education. I got my master's degree in higher education administration. And side note, try explaining that to your uh, immigrant parents. Um, and I spent five years in that industry, really trying to understand what my role looked like because I was in a student facing role. And without getting too much into it, 
I left feeling really burned. And um, I decided to start my business right as the pandemic was unfolding and wanted to find something that really felt aligned with me, which when I stumbled upon storytelling coaching, I was like, that's it. Like, I love stories. I love telling stories. I love hearing other people's stories. This is it. And I spent, I would say, yeah, like half a year uh, diving into that. And for me, storytelling coaching was more of like a business coaching. And I realized at the end of 2020, well, maybe early 2021, that something was feeling off because the really watered down version of storytelling coaching, the way that I was bringing it up is that like, you know, if you feel in tune with your story and you share your story, you're able to build better and stronger client relationships, right? Like super washed down version of like my previous purpose. And the more I thought about it, I was just like, Ugh, like I just don't want to talk about business. Like I don't want to talk about business. It feels, even though I was trying to bring heart into it. And I, this is, this was for me, right? Like I'm not talking about any other storytelling coaches or anyone who focuses on stories, but for me, it felt so transactional. And I was like, this is not it. And I realized that like in choosing storytelling coaching, I was trying to run away from academia, like total opposite direction. Mm. And when I had this moment with my own business coach at the time, I was like, something feels wrong. Like, and I miss my students. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we had this whole conversation where I was like, you know, recently I've been hearing a lot from my past students And whether that's through text message, phone call, whatever it is, whether they were cheering me on with my new business venture or they're asking me for a recommendation or for life advice, they were suddenly popping up. And I realized that that had been happening since I left my nine to five, but I only started paying attention to it um, this past spring. Uh, which is around graduation time, like, you know, like very nostalgic and people, uh, students themselves ending that season of that chapter of their life. And I realized that like, I wanted to spend time again, guiding and holding space for people. Like I prided myself so much in the physical environment that I created at, uh, the higher ed institution that I worked at and made it a comfortable space for people to just plop down on a seat. And like, I say this with love, regardless of like, if I was doing something, uh, you know, people would just swing by and be like, Hey, I want to chat or just say hi or whatever it was. And I was like, gosh, I miss, I miss that. I miss being that type of support person for someone. And, um, I, in my role, I was actually just hired as like a supervisor. Like I was to supervise like a group of students who were working part-time in that office. And I ended up taking that and making it more into a mentorship because I re- recognized that the, it was more than just, it was more than just like you clock in, you clock out, you get paid. And these students were going through so much change. Like 
even semester to semester, like looking back on my own experience, there is so much revelation. And for a lot of folks, college can be a time where you're really learning more about yourself. You know, you've left possibly a high school environment where there are cliques and those high school types of things that tell you to be a certain way, or you think you have to be a certain way. And um, these students were, were looking to discover or rediscover who they truly were inside and go after that vision and dream. And I admired them so much for that. So that's what led me to make that pivot into life and leadership coaching because I wanted to take that experience into my business model and to just not talk about business coaching anymore. (laughs) (laughs) uh... The whole time you were talking, like I got chills when you were talking about college because yeah, that's like such a huge part of, my life and I'm sure for a lot of others as well when well, I can hear your passion too like I could and it's it's like really beautiful to witness uh just kind of like I could see how like excited you are about this <laughs> you know like this portion of your business now and so I'm so glad that you you were able to figure out what it was that was missing for you and then be brave enough to like pivot into that because I know you know that's not an easy journey to to do so that's amazing um and story Storytelling is still like part of your work, right? Yeah. Storytelling is still at the core of what I do because the way that I talk about storytelling is that it's not just you telling your story, right? Like the first part for the way that I leverage storytelling as like a tool for yourself is just, it's to dive deep into your own story. And like I talked about earlier, about like when I came into my identity and really understood the value and importance of it in my life and what it gave to me, that is the work that I want to guide people through is just like looking and reflecting back on your own personal story and where that brings you today. And like to, so that to bring that forward is like telling your story and sharing your story because like not to get on a podium all of a sudden but like as women and femmes of color like our stories are often not represented we don't see ourselves in the media in politics or i know things are slowly changing But Mm -hmm. like, I would say like knowing that we're all in a similar age group, that this is not something that we grew up with, like searching high and low for people who looked like me, like to write a book report about or to dress up as for Halloween, like things like that. You know what I mean? And recognizing that like the more that we share our stories and tell our stories, like people will start to recognize that like there is something that exists beyond like the white heteronormative lens. Like our experiences are valid and there is so much depth to that. And by telling our stories, we can bring more awareness and also like have like bring this like sense of comfort uh, for other folks of color to be seen and heard and knowing that their experiences are also very real. 
I love that. I feel like I need to let that sink in for a second because I was... I'm getting more chills. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Same here. (laughs) I was just like soaking in everything that you're saying. (laughs) I like you saying that, Jolie, reminds me of... I don't remember I heard this or like who said this quote, but something about like our stories are medicine. And, you know, I know July was just... um, BIPOC mental health month and I'm I just think like if more of us were able to show or like talk about our stories and like have those be broadcasted out and like in the mainstream how less alone and distressed and unvalidated and unseen and invisible would like BIPOC feel you know um because there is so much medicine to our stories yeah I mean I even feel like it took me until like the last few years to, I don't want to say necessarily be brave enough, but to share fully of who I am. So for example, like when it comes to food, right? Like I, when people would ask me like, oh, what are you having for dinner? Like I would completely wash out down the description so that it was palatable for generally like my white peers to soak in and they'd be like oh that sounds great I'm like yeah my dad's a great cook whatever but recently when people would ask me like oh so like what are you what are you gonna have for dinner when you go to your dad's place and I'll just be like oh well it's like actually like the soup that he makes with like black fungus or like ginseng or like whatever it is and to not say like say it just like as if it were normal because it is normal right but like growing up like I spent especially when I was a kid right and this is probably just like a reflection of that experience like people would be like what are you eating why does it smell and like make these faces and that was traumatizing right as a kid like you're just like oh my god like I love this food and now people are making fun of me for it so now I'm just not not gonna bring it in and also if anyone asks what I'm eating for dinner I'm just gonna say like spaghetti and meatballs (laughs) super relatable as hell oh my god (laughs) Sarah and I are both nodding like yeah "Mm -hmm, yeah you're not alone on that front (laughs) And like, like I said, like, it's not that the food that I'm eating or have been eating my whole life is abnormal. I'm just saying it to tell you that this is like my story. And just because like you grew up eating this or, you know, what we see on TV is like families are eating that doesn't mean what I'm eating is weird or different. Like this is just part of my culture. And that's, that's why like, we have to keep telling our stories. Like I know that's such a simple example, but that's just like one of the things that I've worked on where I'm like, don't, don't, don't wash this description down. Tell them exactly what your dad's cooking for dinner. Cause guess what? It's so fucking bomb. Like it's delicious. It's my favorite food, like whatever. Don't wash it down to make it palatable for other people. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And then, then, like ten years from now, it'll be like the next hot food thing, because <laughs> food gentrification and it's a whole other podcast say, for another day. I was gonna say, I was like, I feel conflicted <laughs> about it, but you're right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, same here. It's like 
it's like the same people that you are like, oh, what's that? Or that smells weird. Like, ew. Are the same people sometimes that are, you know, going to the next hottest, I don't know. I can't even think of a place, but it's just like a lot of our food culture got. No, I mean, I'm going on a, I'm going on a totally. I mean, (laughs) it makes me think of like boba because that was so not cool Mm -hmm. when we were probably in middle school, right? Right. And now there's like 18 different boba places, and I'm so glad that people are enjoying it. But you're also like, what the hell? (laughs) You know, like people used to say this looked like squishy brains. You know, like anyway. I'll let the tangent end there (laughs) and let you do a separate podcast on that. (laughs) Yeah, that could definitely be a whole other podcast. Uh, Well, Julie, do you want to share with our listeners where they can find you and how they can work with you if they're interested? Yeah, so people can find me at Root and Cultivate on Instagram. You can also find me at rootandcultivate.com where I have a blog And I also have a newly relaunched newsletter, which includes weekly voice notes. Uh, And it's been a really fun journey reconnecting uh, with my community in this way, because uh, I don't know if you can tell, but uh, speaking is definitely more of a challenge for me than just like written storytelling. Right. So it's something that I'm challenging myself with, not because like, it's like some task that I want to accomplish, but it's just something that I felt really called to do. So I just decided to do it. (laughs) Honestly, her newsletters are awesome, whether it's like the written portion or the voice notes. So yeah, definitely check it out. (laughs) Yes. 10 out of 10 would recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks all. Of course. Well, we like to close out our podcast by asking our guests, um, what is one thing that makes you feel like you're thriving? Oh my gosh. I just did like a journal entry trying to think this through because it has become apparent to me like in a capitalistic society and also my cap rising that I was like, money is thriving, right? And I'm working so hard to unlearn that for myself. And also like as a daughter of immigrants, like that has been such a measure of quote unquote success. Right. So I've had some time to think about this, but what thriving looks like to me is just, I appreciate a slow morning and I Thriving is when I have a good slow morning where I just make my matcha and I can just chill and not have to rush into the next thing. I am and I know that's, that. <laughs> it's not like a full experience, but like that to me has always been a measure of like when I feel my best is like when I get to wake up slowly, there's nothing really ahead that I have to get done. And I'm just allowed to be like present with like my morning beverage and just sip on it and just enjoy the peace. That's beautiful. It's uh, yeah. It makes you feel like I'm thriving. Just like picturing it. <laughs> I know. 
I feel at peace just imagining that. (laughs) Julie, it was so awesome to have you on the podcast. I'm sure we'll have more just like, like soul fulfilling conversations in the future. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You two are honestly my inspiration. Like Together Thriving like was one of my most favorite things that I did in 2020 as a part of Root and Cultivate. And I am just in awe of everything that you two do because you work in true partnership and also like take everything that the community has to say and you take it to heart. And that just speaks volumes to like the leaders that you are. And I'm just so proud and so honored <laughs> to be connected to you all. You're going to make us like, I'm tearing up uh, over here. <laughs> I, I was just about to say that. I'm like, you're going to make me cry. And, like, my rising sign is cancer. And I'm just <laughs> yeah, we might, we might have to end here. <laughs> all right, together, thriving family. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Together Thriving Podcast. If you've resonated with this episode, click that subscribe button, leave us a review, and share our podcast with your favorite humans to help us get this content out to more women and femmes of color who are looking for a wellness community where they feel heard and seen. If you'd like to join the Together Thriving fam, head over to our show notes to join our newsletter and stay in the loop for our upcoming community calls and annual summit. You can also find us on Instagram at Together Thriving WOC. Until next time, hasta luego. A bientôt.